dog sports, but we came here to win. The most legit podcast, that's why we know you're tuning in. We cover the biggest news, we underdogs, but we can't lose. So trust the process, yes you, because we got Chris and Anshu to bless you. With the best features, best stories, we diving deep like a Lambo leap. Wake up, kid, and stop snoring, we on point just like this beat. Bring the passion like the talk path. In the cold, get a gold brand. Sit back and race the cat, because we start this show like right now. Welcome to the Underdog episode number 56. I'm Chris Horwardell, and I am proud and thrilled to welcome back my co-host, Anshu Khanna. Anshu, welcome back, sir. Chris, thank you. It is awesome to be back. It's been a fun couple weeks, but thrilled and also proud to be talking to you again. I am I am absolutely honored by that. Uh, and special <laughs> special thanks to Tyler Lurie, Dave McGraw, and Tony Conti for coming in and filling in the last couple of weeks. We appreciate them. But we're back together, and this is exciting. It's a very exciting time in sports. Let's start. Let's start with football. Actually, we're gonna have some breaking news uh, now that I think about it. We're gonna have All Star re- uh, reserves announced during the course of this podcast. So we'll have a little bit something extra to talk about at the end. Uh, we'll uh, love to see Ben Simmons get a nod. I don't expect this going to happen, but we'll talk about that mm. when the, those come out. Let's talk a little football right now. Let's talk conference championships. How about oh. this? Big this, day for Buddy Chris. I was, uh, yeah, it was, it was an interesting day, but we'll, we will get there. Let's talk Patriots, Jaguars. Jaguars really looked like they were in control of this game up until uh, sort of a turn of momentum right before halftime when the Patriots marched down the field and scored. Did you think there was any chance the Jaguars were going to hold on and beat the, beat the Patriots? Yeah, I mean, a couple possessions there late in the third. I think early in the fourth, it's twenty to ten, and you know Gronk is out of this game. I mm. felt like. And, you know, this is the best I've seen Blake Bortles look, you know, overall, considering the context of the situation on the road, conference championship against this defense, man, Patricia, you know, just very impressed. And, you know, and really Leonard Fournette hadn't even gotten going. And so, you know, to me, I thought they were they were well on their way to making it. You know, these are the types of teams that have historically given the Patriots trouble in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think of the Ravens, you think of you know, some of those old Colts teams even, you know, they, I mean, they weren't the vintage Manning 400 yard games. It was generally the defense played well. And, you know, you get to Brady, especially up the middle and, you know, and you guard the receivers well, and you've got a good chance. And I thought that the Jaguars did a great job of controlling the ball, but in the end that kind of doomed them because, you know, if you look at the amount of points they scored versus the amount of production they had and just the mm-hmm. time of possession, it just didn't add up. Like they didn't score enough points compared to how well they played, which is, you know, that's, I guess that's what you get with Blake Bortles. And they just got very predictable in the fourth quarter, which is something that they should get better at, but we'll see, you know, they're not going to undergo any real coaching changes. So I'm not sure if that'll ever materialize. Yeah. No coaching changes. And uh, is, do you think Blake Bortles certainly played well enough to solidify his position as a starting quarterback for this team next season? Ah, it's, it's tough to say, man, because, you, know, you know, Scott McLuhan went on the radio in, in Denver, I think it was either today or yesterday, and he said that Kirk Cousins is going to be looming as a guy that looks around and says, mm-hmm. hey, what's the best situation for me? You throw him on that Jacksonville team, and I think that, you know, you're looking at a, a very much a bona fide contender. I mean, it probably is one even with Bortles, but if you're Jacksonville, why not shoot to the moon? Because, you know, kind of know what you have in Bortles. I mean, he might if, if he plays like he did in that last game, that's great. But what do we really expect here? I mean, I know we're going to talk about Nick Foles eventually, but what are we really talking about? We don't want to ruin 
you know, let one or a couple game sample size cloud our judgment, you think the Ravens would go back and undo, you know, the huge money they gave to Joe Flacco on the heels of that playoff run? I think that I think that it's kind of what we're looking at, if not, you know, a lesser version. I, I'm not sure. What do you think about Bortles? You think that he's definitely ticketed to a return to Jacksonville and, you know, their quarterback in 2018 and beyond? So I'm looking at the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I, they're projected to have uh, between 21 and $25 million of cap space available. I don't know yep. that that's enough to get Cousins. Ooh, wow. That, I mean, you got to think they could free up some space. Free right? up some I mean, space, I, but you're freeing up space just to sign one player. Yeah, but it's you know, it's Kirk Cousins. I mean, it's it's a uh, potentially great and completely you know, it's different if you're talking about you know a, a defensive tackle or something like that. But we're talking about a guy that unquestionably changes the trajectory of your your franchise. I think I, I don't know if you and not that the trajectory is downward by any means, but it changes the game in terms of being, you know, the the hunted versus the hunter, if that makes sense. And I think that, that you add Cousins to that team, I think that they are the favorites in the AFC. So Blake Bortles is going to carry a, a base salary and cap hit of $19 million next season. Wow, that is insane. <laughs> I didn't know it was that high. $19 million. Yeah, that's, that's no matter that's what. That's guaranteed. Tough. That can't all be guaranteed. It's not clear how much of it the Jaguars would lose. I'm on uh, I'm on SpotTrack.com right now. Not clear mm-hmm. how much of that would be dead cap if they decided to move on from Bortles. But I mean, you have to think it's going to be a substantial piece of it. No doubt. I mean, that's. I mean, it. I would be surprised if they moved on. I just don't. You know, to answer your question earlier, I mean, I just don't know if I'm Jacksonville and I see this defense and the way they've responded to the coaching and the way they've mm. gelled, especially the corners and the young corners, I would want to capitalize on that. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure I feel comfortable going into next season with Bortles if I had the option. And, you know, maybe it's not an option of Cousins, but um, that's that's kind of what my target would be. And I'm not sure if anybody else would be worth it. Like, say Alex Smith is out there. Right. I'm not sure that would be worth it for me um, to, to move away from Bortles, although at $19 million, Jesus, that's that's a lot. Well, what is so? Let's say Alex Smith. Three years ago, he was traded for what a couple of seconds or a second and a third. Realistically, this year, even after a good season, but going into his uh, age thirty-four year, what do you think? Probably a third. And I believe third and a fourth. Final year of his deal, right? And the final final year of his deal, correct? Third and a four to get him. I think that's fair. I I would I would say that's a very fair representation, considering you're right. He is going into this this age 34 year but he's also you could argue that was his best year right last year oh for sure um and i I, you know i think the chiefs are certainly motivated to deal him um but they're not like required to do so so you'd have to pony up a little bit at least uh so i think a third and four would get it done all around at least i I mean we would do that i don't know if they they feel like they would need him as a you know the potential backdrop to uh, mahomes if, if mahomes doesn't pan out early well, I think they're, they're 100% going to move Alex Smith this offseason. You know, Jacksonville would be an interesting mm. spot for him. I think Denver's another interesting spot for him. Now, he's mm. he's going to be tied to Cleveland because of the John Dorsey connection. There's a, there's a lot of interest. There will be no shortage of teams interested in Alex Smith. If you're Jacksonville, would you consider a – you know, if you're going to spend all this money on Kirk Cousins anyway, would you consider making a gigantic offer 
to Jimmy Garoppolo. Wow. Oh, boy, that's – man, the, the Garoppolo stuff, I get it. Like, he's – you know, he really flashed in those couple yes. games that he has in the past. But I would – I would be really careful about doing that as another team because not only are you giving him the money, but you also have to give up the picks that are mm-hmm. associated with the tag that will be placed on him. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, I, yeah, I don't think I go there. I'm not sure. We're not even sure Garoppolo is better than Cousins yet, right? Like, I definitely don't think that's a guarantee. So you're doing that plus the picks and a new system. I, I'm not sure I would uh, I would go out on that limb. Although again, if you're spending 19 million on Blake Bortles, right? You know what's another seven, six, seven million? Right, and and a first round pick. Would you rather have Blake Bortles or spend another six million in a first round pick and have Jimmy Garoppolo? Is it? It's more than one, isn't it? If, if uh, the franchise thing is, is it one or is it two? I don't remember. I think it's it two firsts, and I, I mean that's a lot. But then you combine it with the average of the top five quarterback salaries, and now you're looking, especially if Aaron Rodgers resigns this offseason as he's expect to, expected to, that could really balloon. Can you imagine how much fun it could be if we had an AFC championship next year of Tom Brady oh. and the Patriots against Garoppolo and the Jaguars? Oh, my God. That would be, that would be awesome. I also am not sure that Tom Brady is going to be there. I mean, there's really? a lot of crazy stuff going on. Yeah, did you read the Wickersham article with Brady and Kraft? I, and, I read it. It was out for five okay. minutes when I when I read it on Twitter. Incredible. Okay, yeah. But how much of that do you believe? I, I mean, I believe some of it for sure. I think that there's a lot of personality. Personality. There's a lot of smoke around the uh, the Guerrero situation. Brady's yeah. buddy, who's the uh, the like the equivalent of nano bubbles for Russell Wilson. Right. I mean, I yeah, I I I think there's definitely some weirdness there and some pressure with having certain players have to go there. But honestly, when I read that, it it makes Belichick come off smelling like a rose, and I think that that's a yeah. nice leverage play for him um, in case things go awry. But it looks like you know they're they're looking very likely to uh, to win that. Super Bowl again, and so I, I'm not sure that you know they needed to put that out there, but it definitely makes Belichick look very good. Yeah, that Garoppolo thing, I believe it completely because they should have gotten more for him. And you know what it reminded me of when when the Phillies acquired uh, Roy Halladay, and they they thought they had too much payroll and immediately made a move to trade Cliff Lee, and traded Cliff Lee to the Mariners for basically nothing. Hmm. And you think that Cliff Lee? Well, wait. So, what, what's the parallel here? Well, I th- there was a, there was a hard onus to get rid of this player immediately, and I think that was the same thing that happened in New England, where hmm. they, where you know, be it Kraft or whoever said, trade Garoppolo, trade him now, get what you can. Yeah, I I could see that. I mean, you got to appease. So, I guess in that way, Brady's almost certainly coming back because he's won that battle. Yeah, but it. You know, I, it's so funny because the Patriots finally make one move that people are criticizing, and they immediately take to the media and have this long-form article about the justification for why it happens. I mean, <laughs> it just feels like a little bit of, like, crying over spilt milk type of thing, right? Like, it just seems a little odd to me that it happened just now, uh, or like it happened only after one negative thing happened. So at the end of the day, they're going to end up getting what the the second or third pick in the in the second round for Garoppolo. So do you uh, do they take do they take a quarterback there, a Rudolph, uh, a Luke Falk, maybe a Riley Ferguson, and that's their next guy? 
Uh, I or is mean, that too? Rudolph is that too maybe. direct? Is that comparison too direct? That this yeah. is this is the replacement for Garoppolo with the pick we got yeah. for Garoppolo. Very interesting. And the guy that some people compare to Garoppolo is Kyle Oletta from Richmond. Yeah. And that I mean the the mechanics are striking the similarities I think. But um, yeah, I mean I yeah I think you're you're onto something there where the direct comp would be a little. A little bit too much, and you know they're probably bringing back Hoyer. Apparently, that was like a requirement of this trade too that yeah. the Niners would drop Hoyer. So, you know they've got him. I don't think there's any rush to draft that backup, but I mean they should. I wonder, you know, I, I think if one of those top guys drops, like if say Lamar Jackson drops and uh, they like him, that could be an Lamar option. Lamar Jackson, does he fit in that offense at all? <sighs> well, what offense is it? Yeah, I mean, because. McDaniels is going to be gone, and you know, I mean, it's Belichick's offense, I guess, and they'll be. I think they're promoting the quarterback, right? Is it not Dable? Uh, shoot, I don't, I don't even know who it would be next year. But you know, there's, it's going to be very interesting to see uh, if they do. I, I do think that they draft a quarterback, but my guess would be it'd either be later or very early. So let me let me throw a guy out there for you. The Patriots have what? They have uh, their pick in the first round, and they have two second round picks. How about what? What does that get you if you want to trade up? And could they make a trade up and go after a guy like Baker Mayfield, who I think is a perfect fit for that offense? Oh yeah, I think that's a great fit. I mean, my, I, boy, that would be very interesting. And especially if you look at Vegas's odds, it's striking how low Baker Mayfield is on the likelihood of him going number one. I don't know yeah. if you've seen that. I mean, especially considering Josh Rosen has basically come out and said he doesn't want to play for Cleveland, which leaves you with really just two or three options. I I mean, there's something there, clearly, that Mayfield is not going to be the number one pick, which means, to your point, you know, maybe there's enough there for the Patriots to load up and trade up and get get Mayfield. Yeah, so right now they have 32, 43, and 64 in the top two rounds. You know, does this? I mean, you would have to. Obviously, you're going to have to pay a premium to jump up that high. But does 32, 43, and your two next year get you into that like eight range? I I would have to look at the chart, but that seems right to me. Uh, you know, especially it it really depends on how far Baker flips. Sure. Like I I think he's going in the top five. Yeah. I but. And and I I honestly think that the Patriots make a lot of sense, but I just don't think they have. There's just too many teams that want to win right away too much for Baker Mayfield to slip very far. And I I know we've talked about the Broncos a couple times. I really think that that makes a ton of sense yeah. um, for a variety of reasons, it's not the least of which is that they're coaching him this week at the Senior Bowl. So yeah, I, I mean, but I, I to your point, I think those four assets combined would probably be enough to move up and get him. I think the wild card in all this is what happens to the Alex Smiths and the Kirk Cousins of the world, because mm-hmm. if if two of those guys land on teams t- picking in the top five, which admittedly is unlikely, then all of a sudden somebody is going to slip. So, but if you get Smith, I don't think that necessarily preempts you ever, or, you know, I don't think that means that you can't take Mayfield. In fact, I, I like true. that. I mean, if I'm Alex Smith, that sucks because you go yeah. Mahomes last year, and then you come back and you're you know you're maybe keeping the seat warm for Mayfield for one year here. But I think that makes sense. Like if you're the Broncos, that makes a ton of sense to me. I get. Can you if you're the Broncos and you know you you have that defense? Obviously, the team took a big step back this year, largely because of the quarterback play. 
But if you're, but you know, you go back two years ago. This is a team that you know, really had Super Bowl aspirations going into the 2016 season. If you add a quarterback like Alex Smith, who, as we said, arguably had his best season last year, can mm-hmm. you? Do you get greedy? Do you start thinking, okay, Alex Smith plus a player I can get at five puts us back into that conversation in the to get it to the AFC Championship? Or can you can you take that long view where, okay, we have Alex Smith, he'll provide stability, we're also going to take a quarterback to set us up more for the long term? Yeah, I mean, I think for a roster like the Broncos, you have to think that way because they're built to win right now. I mean, those guys are old, like yeah. Tlaib and Chris Harris and Demarcus Ware, and, or not Ware, but, you know, Bob Miller's right in the heart of his prime, and I know that there's been talks that Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders are going to be out there this year, so maybe if you lose those two, it changes your your time frame a little bit down the line, but that defense is ready to go right now. I know, right. like you said, they did have a struggle there down the stretch, but they were pretty good at the beginning of the year. I mean, to me, I think that you got to – I, I love that approach, actually, of, of adding Alex Smith, adding a quarterback, and keeping this thing going without ever having to really rebuild. I think it makes a lot of sense. But, you know, it really just comes down to what John Elway wants to do. He's also not the type to ever want to hit a, the full reset button. Mm-hmm. So uh, the Smith-Mayfield or Smith-Darnold combo makes a lot of sense to like in aligning with what John Elway is and likes to do, to me at least. We're going to get back to football in just a second, but uh, the reserves have been announced. There's no big surprises here. For the East, Bradley Beal, Al Horford, Kevin Love, Kyle Lowry, Oladipo, Porzingis, and John Wall. For the West, LaMarcus Aldridge, Jimmy Butler, Draymond, uh, Damian Lillard, Clay Thompson, Carl Anthony Towns, and Russell Westbrook. So no real surprises on this list. Nope. Uh, well, not today, but if you had told me before the season that Victor Oladipo was going to yeah. make the All-Star game, that would have been a shocker in a league that rarely gives you big surprises. Um, you know, that was that the emergence of Oladipo has been something really interesting and random to watch um, and good for the Pacers because, you know, that's, that's some good karmic retribution after what happened with Paul George. Oh yeah, absolutely. All right. So the other conference championship game on Shukana, Philadelphia yeah. Eagles take on the Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> Can I tell you why this this was an obviously I'm a I'm an Eagles fan. This was an interesting game for me because so the Vikings get the ball first possession, march down the field and score. Yep. I you know, I tend to take a more long-term view of, you know, don't worry too much about the first possession. What's going to happen is going to happen and then teams will adjust. And the Eagles adjusted. Uh they went on to score 38 consecutive points and win the game in an absolute rout. The kind of game that like you can't even dream you're going to have in a conference championship game against a great defense. And yeah. I was I was asked, um, why aren't you more excited about this win? And mm-hmm. you know, it, it's by me you know, amongst others. It was crazy because there was just never you know after the first you know I don't know twenty minutes of gameplay the game was never in doubt. Yeah, it, but that... it was just kind of a foregone conclusion that they were going to the Super Bowl and they were going to face the New England Patriots. Would it have been more exciting for you had it been Carson Wentz that put up that game? Yes, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, I, and I totally get that. I, it's it's such an awkward place to be, and I totally understand what you're saying. Um, but you have to be. I think there's something that you, as an Eagles fan, can and should, and I'm sure do, take away from this, and that's the fact that this defense and this coaching staff was able to put together what they did 
and put Nick Foles in a position that he was put into against yeah. that defense, like you said. I mean, that is one of the all-time great performances. I mean, if, if Aaron Rodgers had done that to the Vikings, we'd be talking about that being like his, his you know, Picasso. Like, that mm-hmm. is is Michelangelo, sorry. <laughs> that, is, that was like his – I mean, that was such an amazing game, and, you know, you have to give Peterson and DeFolito and all those guys so much credit on the offensive side. And, you know, the defense obviously played well, the crowd is into it, but, you know, that's a takeaway. I know you'd like to have Wentz be the one there, and obviously that would have given them a better chance against the Patriots, I think, or, Mm. I mean, anyone with the brain would think. But I do think that it's still an awesome thing to take away and something the Eagles can build on regardless of what happens in the Super Bowl. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it's, it's incredibly exciting. Anytime you get the opportunity to play in the Super Bowl, it's incredibly exciting. But, you know, it's just this this overwhelming sense of dread that, you know, the reality of this situation for as good as this Eagles defense has been is this is going to be Nick Foles against Tom Brady. And uh, for, for as, as fun as some of the stats about Nick Foles are, you know, the NFL's all-time leader in touchdown passes in a game tied with Peyton Manning. And I don't know if you saw the, the tweet I tweeted out after the Eagles game on the mm-hmm. voice, but... In the history of the NFL, there have been two quarterbacks to throw for at least 75% completion percentages in back-to-back playoff games. Those two quarterbacks are Joe Montana and Nick Foles. <laughs> Seems that's the rarefied era that Nick, be- Nick belongs in. So, yeah, that's it's so he's, his career has been such a hilarious roller coaster of ups yeah. and downs, and you know, streaking towards the sun and then plummeting back to earth. It's just been such an interesting career and uh i mean it's awesome he has a chance here to do something that very few have ever done and so kudos to him i do think that you know and it's not been that easy like look these two teams to play to win these two games against two very legitimate contenders is just to get here is impressive Um, and what he can do now so now i have to ask you and i'm sure this is going around until it's on and i just haven't really heard a good answer to this if Foles does what he did again, yeah. is there any like what what is the game plan down the line for Foles and Wentz? I mean, the the game plan is kind of similar to what you were hoping for in Brett Hundley, in that you yeah. conceivably, you conceivably have a, a very valuable trade piece, but yeah. I don't I don't know how much people are going to overrate getting hot. Now this is it's kind of Cardell Jonesy for what Cardell yeah. did at Ohio That's State. A great yeah, but I don't know how much people are going to get excited about it. Maybe we can, maybe we could, you know. Look, I love Nick Foles. I love what he's doing for this team. He had two terrible games to end the season, and two great right. playoff, two That's playoff games to, uh, to start the playoffs. But if we could pawn him off for a high draft pick, obviously I'm going to do that and worry about that backup quarterback situation later. This would just, oh god, it would be so much fun if it was Carson that had that game, and this I was because realistically, you know. Carson has a legitimate chance to win MVP if he doesn't get hurt. And the, the two people who in that conversation would be Carson and Brady. He would have so won it. You could potentially have Carson Brady coming off, you know, what would have been an MVP season going after one of the great quarterbacks, if not the great quarterback of all times in the Super Bowl. That's marketable. That's fun. And the Eagles have a, you know, a puncher's chance to beat the Patriots in that situation. I just, like, I think the Patriots are too smart. I think, I, I can't see a situation where Bill Belichick is going to let Nick Foles tear this team apart in the Super Bowl. Hey, I would have said the same thing about Zimmer and Xavier Rhodes and all those guys. I mean, I look, 
that's a defense that's given Aaron Rodgers problems. They've given everybody else problems. They gave Sean McVay, the Wonderkin, all these mm-hmm. problems. I mean, they figured it out. And I, and again, I give, I think that just portends so well to Wentz. I, I, I would say, yeah, it would be awesome if it was Wentz, but to know that that same coaching staff is going to be in place next year with Wentz, who's such a better talent. Yeah. Just, I mean, as a Packer fan, it's terrifying. As an, as an Eagles fan, I would be super pumped. And, you know, I, I get what you're saying, but I just I, – I, and so one thing I want to – one distinction I want to make between um, Cardale, the Cardale run and the Foles run is Foles – we've seen Foles do this over mm-hmm. a long span. Like, I know that he's I had chances since that initial amazing year with Chip Kelly, and, you know, you could say what you can – what you want about Chip Kelly and how maybe he – kind of took the NFL by surprise and, you know, how much value you put in that first full year. But mm-hmm. the reality is he was super accurate. He was incredibly turnover averse. And, you know, his touchdown interception ratio was like amongst the best of all time. And I, you add compound that with what he's done here and say he does this thing. If he does, even if they don't win against the Patriots, but he shows out decently well against a guy that's been a hot coaching candidate for the last few years and Patricia, if he can do that on the heels of the Zimmer stuff, is I I just think there's something there. Like I, what we were just talking about with Smith, I think you you definitely tack onto that in terms of value for Nick Foles. Hey, as a team that right now has a first round pick and then two fourth round picks, I would love to add a couple day two picks to yeah. that mix. But yeah, you know, look. So from a very from a personal level, I really need Nick Foles to do well because Nick Foles potential. If Nick Foles wins Super Bowl MVP. I get out of some crap that I've been taking for a year and a half now. Now, after that, that, after that incredible season that Foles had, the 27 touchdowns, the two interceptions, the second highest quarterback rating in the history of the NFL, going mm-hmm. into that next year, I made a comment to my wonderful, my wonderful lady that, um, <laughs> that kind of just being smug about how good Nick Foles was. And I made a comment along the lines of, you'll finally get to watch a real quarterback play. And now... <laughs> Now, Nick Foles immediately went on to fall apart, to look pretty terrible, and get benched, and, you know, he's gone. He gets traded for Sam Bradford, traded with a pick for Sam Bradford. Um, so I feel like if Super, if Nick Foles wins Super Bowl MVP, I can forever get out of that comment, and I don't ever have to hear about it again, because I hear about it a lot right now. <laughs> I mean, from her? Because yeah. she's a Browns fan. It's, that's yeah. a tough place to be to be talking smack to to you about, I think you've already won that back, my friend. Like, I mean, it's, it's, uh, she's not exactly dealing from a position of strength there. Uh, yeah. But if I can say, okay, Nick Foles, Pro Bowl MVP, Super Bowl MVP in, <laughs> in Canton for the, you know, the, the record for the most touchdown passes in one game, I feel like I have solidified my position in that point. And I can just, I never have to hear about it again. And that's really what I'm looking for here. That's what, I, the, I mean, the Eagle Super Bowl would be almost secondary to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, anyone who knows you knows that that's what truly, truly matters is getting the upper hand in some sort of random personal <laughs> battle. So I know, <laughs> I know the value of that kind of win for you. Um, but yeah. I look. I think you're going to have a lot more wins like this with the other guy. But it's yes. pretty. It's got to be such an odd feeling because like I you're right you you brought up Hunley and I've sort of you know let myself dream about this and like oh say like Rogers had been put on IR and, and Hunley had somehow led them to the playoffs it would have felt a little bit empty and yeah. I, I mean 
I, I, at the same time, you know, it's obviously awesome. You're just along for the ride. It's cool. It's, it's really a fun thing, but this has been, this has to be beyond what, I mean, I remember us doing this show after Wentz got hurt and it was kind of like, it sucks that, you know, the season ends now from going from a real NFC contender to, you know, Nick Foles, mm-hmm. the fact that, you know, we're still talking, we're talking about this team in the Super Bowl off the heels of just an incredible performance is, is really a special thing. And I know one we won't forget for a long time. Yeah. Just to follow up on the all-star reserves thing, Andre Drummond is going nuts on Twitter right now. He is absolutely furious uh, to not make the East reserves and, you know, justifiably so he had, he's having an incredible season. right Orford? now. Who do you not uh, put in? It's uh, Horford, maybe, Beal, Love, maybe, but but definitely, you know, you it would have to be a big guy. So I, I Porzingis yeah. deserves it, even if he doesn't rebound. So it's got to be Horford or gotta Love. Um, mm-hmm. But we will we'll talk about Kevin Love a little bit more later. Uh, we have got we're gonna have another show before the Super Bowl, so we're not gonna talk too much about that. You got any interest at all in the Pro Bowl this weekend? Any? Uh, no. <laughs> any interest in the no. Skills Challenge? We've talked, remember, we, we need to, when we go huge, and I mean yeah. like, you know, huge, huge, we're, we're sponsoring our own offshoot skills game, right? We right. gotta, we gotta make that happen. That's gonna be, or what, what was your idea? The offensive lineman bracket versus the quarterbacks or something with the, I, I don't remember, but basically something along the lines of the NBA all-star skills challenge. And we need to, we need to flesh this whole thing out, but that needs to happen in, in light of the pro bowl. Cause the pro bowl is just a joke. Yeah. I think everyone, including you and I, because I don't remember the details either. Cause we just say <laughs> stuff in the moment. I think all of us should go back, go back a year, look, check out whatever the show was immediately before the pro bowl. And there will be, gotta a, be close to episode one, right? Very. Yeah. I would think very, uh, no, because one was in October. I think it was okay. October and November, so in the early in the teens. But okay, okay. But uh, yeah, that that is there. I will look, listen back to it and re- get the details so we can talk about it next week. But uh, but yes, once once we blow up, that is one of the many things, along with sponsoring the the waiver wire day uh, for, yeah. for the NFL, the waiver wire draft. A lot yeah. of things that, that we're going to be doing <clears throat> to change sports. As the the site continues to get bigger, the inaugural a guy you can have award given out <laughs> to the most forgettable player in the NBA. Yeah, the I, I, I feel like that's kind of similar to the Razzies in the movie world, and I don't know how excited oh, people yeah. will get to will be to get that, that award. <laughs> Listen, but it, it, will be, we'll it will be it will be with cash. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it will be mandatory. We will pay. We'll pay Silver whatever he needs. We'll make whatever donations we have to make to make sure showing up for our a guy you can have award is mandatory for any NBA player who was named. It was it was for a Cavs guy. I'm trying to remember. I think it was Zizek. Zizek? Yeah, yeah, okay. So all right, there you go. The anti Zizek <laughs> guy you can have award. I, oh, I we're naming like it after worked. him. I like yeah, it. Oh, yeah. Oh, while he's playing. Can he mm-hmm. I, you, you can only aspire to win that award if you're him. You've accomplished everything in your life. That you <laughs> it would be fitting if he won it. <laughs> Just pretty much every year. And I think there's a legitimate chance that that could happen. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's the inaugural winner. And yeah. Real quick, coaching changes. Give me a, give me real quick thoughts about, about each one of these guys. Cause I don't think you and I have talked about any of the coaching changes in the NFL. Yeah. Um, 
real quick thoughts. Let's not drag this out too long because there's a lot of basketball stuff that I want to talk about, a lot of interesting basketball stuff. Um, you know, chronological order here, Matt Nagy and the Bears. Uh, you know, he seems to be very excited about pairing up with Mitch Trubisky, which is, to his credit, or, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm interested because, you know, he so he took over the play calling duties there late in the year. It didn't go great for the Chiefs with him, but people mm-hmm. like him a lot. And I think the most interesting thing about Nagy is the fact that he's bringing Mark Helfrich with him, which yeah. is really a, a, an interesting hire um, that kind of smacks of trustness, but like a little too cute. But I, I like it. I mean, I think that that's going to be an interesting fit. Um, Nagy apparently took this job over the Colts job is what came out in the last two or three days, which is bizarre to me because, you know, we did talk about the Colts opening being an inter- like the most interesting one. Mm-hmm. And Josh McDaniels ultimately took it, who was probably the biggest name out there. So, you know, I think Nagy was, uh, was a very hot candidate and the Bears did well. We'll see how he couples with Trubisky. How about 10, 100 million for John Gruden in Oakland? Oh my God! This is just an absurd, absurd deal. Yeah. But um, you know, I he he and Derek. If I had to pick one quarterback to go with John Gruden, it would be Derek Carr. Like it's just oh, yeah. a perfect fit. Um, they just they're perfect mirror images of each other. Um, I think that that locker room is is good for Gruden. Like I mean, Jack Del Rio is a relatively close version or avatar of what Gruden is. So I don't think that's going to be a massive change, which I think you need with Gruden because he's a shock to the system in almost probably in 29 of 32 locker rooms. So um, that will make sense. I just obviously the money is just crazy. And the way that that organization will now be structured is interesting because it really neuters Reggie McKenzie, I think. Yeah. You know, I know that they work together um, in Green Bay briefly, but like, I just don't like, I don't like that. That situation where you're, you're pulling the, the you know the the personnel chops or autonomy from the GM, so I'm not sure about that. But. Well, I don't care about Reggie McKenzie. I've got beef with the McKenzie family. I'm not sure if I've ever told. Oh, that story. really? No, I, I didn't. <laughs> I, I have personal beef with the McKenzie family. So wow. Reggie's bro- Reggie's brother Raleigh was uh, okay. an offensive lineman for the Philadelphia Eagles for a time, and uh, okay. a very young, very young Chris Horwadell and a very young Mike Masmini, who has done a bunch of shows with us are walking around the King of Prussia Plaza one day when we see we see Raleigh McKenzie. You know, there are only so many people in the world that look like Raleigh McKenzie. It's a very distinct look. Right. Um, and we say, hey, you know, we're, we're excited, excited young kids. And we, we see an NFL player, and we're like, are you Raleigh McKenzie? And he blows us off. And he says, no, wow. I'm not, I am not him. Was it him? 100% it was Raleigh McKenzie. Okay. <laughs> that, there are like there there is not another person in Pennsylvania walking around who looks like Raleigh McKenzie. A big 300 pound black guy with an afro and and uh and uh, freckles. Yeah, there's right. a lot, a lot of guys a very look like unique that. looking guy. Yeah, yeah they right? have that Reggie same look. Right. Yeah, you don't you don't get that confused. <laughs> That's so good. I mean, that's terrible for you guys, obviously. It's too bad, too, because I've heard Reggie McKenzie's a real sweetheart. So that's uh, that's not great. Apparently it didn't pass through the family. But fair what enough. So I guess, yeah. So Ronald you don't McKenzie give a, yeah. can go to hell. <laughs> what are your thoughts on Gruden? That's the biggest one, obviously. So what I think is most interesting about this, if you're Vegas, what are you setting the line at for total years John Gruden serves as head coach of the Oakland Raiders? Oh, man. 
Like three and I a mean, half? Because a 10-year deal, first of all, what? There are, what, three coaches in the NFL that have coached for 10 years? Maybe? Yeah, maybe not, four? And they're not John Gruden. No. No. Exactly. Gruden is, is you know, famously <laughs> erratic, I would say. Yes. Difficult to, to play kindly. for. Yeah. So that's um, – yeah, I would I would take the under. I would say maybe over on half of it, but definitely not over on the ten. So we agree that this guy is going to be collecting at least fifty million dollars sitting on his couch. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think so. I I do like it because, like, I think he's good for the NFL. Yeah. Um, I and I, I think it's going to be really fun to have Oakland slash Vegas being an interesting team, um, especially for you. You're out there, but yeah, the the. The car thing is fun. We spent so much time to, like talking about how good that offense was going to be coming in this year, and you know Gruden's building a good staff around him. I'm just I'm excited because it's a wild card. It's a real wild card in the NFL next year. And Gruden, and Carr, to his credit, really is saying he wants to be pushed by Gruden, and he's going to be. We saw Gruden holds people to a very high standard. He holds people to his standard. John Gruden is in the facility at four o'clock every morning, and yep. you know if you're not there. He thinks less of you. This is the reason Rich Gannon backed out of taking the quarterback's coach job because he didn't think he could match the intensity of John Gruden. And that's wow. going to work. For, yeah. That's going to work for Carr. Now, I don't know how a guy like Marshawn Lynch is going to respond when Gruden calls <laughs> him at 315 in the morning to talk offensive game plan. <laughs> I'm going to guess that that doesn't happen too frequently. But yeah, but, <laughs> I'm... but Carr will be good. I really like that. I, I actually do really like that fit in the interim, but you're at, like, I mean, just the idea of the 10 year, hundred million thing is just crazy to me. I just don't understand that, but I like the fit. Like if Gruden was going to go somewhere, this is the type of franchise he absolutely needed to go to. I like yeah, this I a lot better than Tampa, by the way. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. I don't, I don't know. I know that it's come out that they have, uh, satisfied the criteria for the Rooney rule. I don't know how that's possible when Gruden mm. was basically official before before Del Rio got f- fired. But the NFL says good, and the Rooney rule is stupid anyway. Not that we shouldn't be giving minority candidates a chance, but because you know we're basically making them figureheads and who have no real shot of getting a position. Oh, you know, it's, you know, such, a, Staley, it's such a crock. Deuce got a head coaching interview a couple of years ago. Um, when yep. we hired uh, Doug Peterson, it's ridiculous. Uh, let's move on to the next guy, though. How about uh, how about Josh McDaniels taking over that Colts team? Yeah, I mean, he had to have been guaranteed that he was going to get some luck action. He had to have reviewed yeah. that those medicals because with luck, this becomes a super interesting team. Mm-hmm. And I, I love Chris Ballard as a GM, and he he did a great job last year. Looks like Malik Cooker is going to be a real player if he can come back from his injury. I, I really think that that's going to work out um, as long as Luck's there. And now his fallback option, remember, is former McDaniel's protege uh, mm-hmm. Jacoby Brissett, right? So he's sure. going to rejoin him, um, and that's his fallback option. If not them, then you know the Colts are very likely to get a very high pick the year after. So you know maybe he finds somebody else in the draft that year. I, I you know, for McDaniel's to re-land at a coaching job, it needed to be something pretty nice. And I think the Colts. While they don't have a super high floor, they have a super high ceiling, and they're I like the pairing of Ballard with McDaniel. So I, I think that's a that's a potential sleeping giant right there. Are the speaking <laughs> segues as they are nice? Are the Giants less excited about Pat Shermer after watching what the Eagles did to him last week? 
Oh, you have to be. I mean, I, you know, of all the, of all the hires, this was the one that I think I, I scratched my head at the most. Like mm-hmm. we, we kind of knew Gruden was going to get back into it. And with that money, you can't say no. The Shermer thing is just weird. I like, yeah. I, I know that they handed the reins over to him on the offense and that offense really did click. And, you know, Case Keenum awesome, obviously. And, and, you know, those receivers and everything else, but I just, you know, I, there's something about him that I don't, I don't get that coach vibe. I feel like it's a little too McAdoo ish. Yeah. And I think that like a lot of the credit deserve belongs with those two receivers that run just like incredibly crisp routes. Like if you watch Diggs and Thielen and then you throw Rudolph in the mix and, and you know, that, I mean, those aren't, that's not like the best set of weapons by any means, but I just, I like, I wouldn't be super pumped if I was a Giants fan right now. And maybe, you know, I, to be fair, I probably wouldn't have been super pumped if I was an Eagles fan when you guys hired Peterson, to be honest. So that's true. maybe it'll I work wasn't. out. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, but I, you know, I, I guess that's why we, we don't know really how these guys are going to be. I just wouldn't be that excited. I mean, Schirmer's had his chance and he did not do well with Cleveland. So that would be my concern. Yeah, I would have, if I was the Giants, uh, or potentially this next team we're going to talk about, I would have been a lot more interested in a guy like Matt LaFleur. Uh, mm-hmm. I love what he did with the Rams this year with that offense. Obviously, McVay played a big part in that as well. But, you know, what he did with, with the Falcons as a quarterback coach prior to that, this guy seems like he has a track record, and it seems like he's on the trajectory where he's going to be head coach and potentially a, a very good head coach. I know the age probably scares people off. He is only 38. But I would have been much more excited about that and maybe something innovative than, you know, Pat Shermer. For sure. And I think that that's what's interesting about Matt Nagy. Um, just I, I give it a similar grade to the LaFleur possibility yeah. or even DiFilippo. I mean, I, I know that you've been trying to keep him under wraps, yeah. but and it's nice that you'll you'll have all those guys back, it seems like. But I don't think so. I don't think so. No, what's the, the is he going? There's a lot Arizona? of talk that DiFilippo could be following Vrabel to Tennessee. Ooh, wow! Oh boy, I, I thought that they were hiring that. I know that the Ohio State a day or whoever yeah, it was, the offensive bailed. coordinator said no. So DiFilippo's their second choice to a co-offensive coordinator at Ohio State. I just don't understand that. That's one. a little. That is a little bit insulting. But we've heard a lot of DiFilippo to to Tennessee talk. And, you know, I don't think he would go to Arizona at this point because he was up for that Arizona head coaching job. And it's kind of, mm-hmm. kind of an insult to not get the head coaching job, but then be hired as a coordinator on that team. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, it did it's happen with Tennessee or bust. I think it happened with who? Yeah. I think it happened with Adam Gase with Chicago a couple of years ago mm-hmm. when he went with, uh, shoot, who was it? Well, no, it would have been, yeah, it would have been with Fox. Uh, but he didn't get the head coaching job, then went to be offensive coordinator. Same with Vic Sangio on defense. But anyways, you're right. I think that that makes for an awkward situation. So, And I really like DiFilippo with Mariota. I, I would love that fit. And a, a lot of lot of positive praise for um, high praise for Mike Brable. And so that could be a really interesting team next year too. This is the one I did not get. Um, how about Steve Wilkes to the Cardinals? This is I'm not excited about this. Yeah, I mean, especially because James Betcher was right under their nose, and he's been a yeah. really considered a, a huge up-and-comer, um, and it doesn't look like he will stick around in Arizona and, and do that defense. I mean, Wilkes, look, Carolina's defense has been really good, but mm-hmm. this one sort of came out of left field. Uh, apparently, Wilkes is, by the way, like just an angel of a guy, so I'm guessing that that helped 
Um, and, you know, kudos to the Cardinals for really casting a very wide net. I mean, they, right. they took their time. They were very deliberate. Um, they clearly weren't just waiting for a team to get eliminated from the playoffs because it took them a long time to hire Wilkes. Um, you know, I, I, they must have seen something they really liked. But I agree with you that that's, that's a strange one because you're looking at a, a head coach who's a defensive-minded guy. You're, you're hiring his defensive coordinator, right? Mm-hmm. And that, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not privy to know what exactly Wilkes brings to the table that Rivera maybe didn't. I'm guessing that he had some advanced thoughts because, you know, that, that defense has been good even without, uh, you know, the, even with some losses at the corner position. And, you know, I, I but I agree with you. I think that that was one of the weirder ones for sure. Not official yet, but it is official in that he's telling he's already telling the some assistants that they won't have jobs. Matt Patricia with the Lions. Yeah, this is an interesting one too, uh, and especially because, like, by all accounts, Matt Patricia has no idea what he's doing offensively. So, right. who the defensive guy brings with him offensively? And I don't know. I don't think Jim Bob Gooder's staying there, is he? I don't know if that's been discussed. But I'm not uh, sure. If, if he is, that's a pretty solid duo. But again, it goes back to what you said, where, you know, if a guy interviewed for the head coaching grab, which Cooter did, um, I think that, uh, you know, it makes for a potentially awkward relationship if he's, if he's the offensive coordinator and not the head coach at the incumbent team. Could that be a fit for Mike Malarkey? Ugh, God, I really don't like Mike Malarkey, so I hope not, because I think that that offense has explosive potential. But, uh, you know, if they do go with him, I mean, it could be a name. I, I mean, it could be a guy that fits with Patricia. I would guess it'd be someone – I guess it'd be more likely to be someone from the Patriots tree, but who's who's even out there right now? Right. How how deeply are we rating that organization? Who's a QB coach in New England? Yeah, I'm not sure. And he's probably the new offensive coordinator there, if I had to guess. So. All right, well, let's find out. The new, the The quarterback coach with the New England Patriots right now – is it would be fun if they listed these in order that they should be in. <laughs> it's uh, not Brian Dable, right? Jerry Shaplinski Shep- is the assistant quarterbacks coach. Okay. I don't know. I'm, I'm not listing. I'm not. See, oh well, McDaniel's was the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach apparently. Oh wow. So who's there? So they're gonna hire someone. Maybe Charlie Weiss is out there for them. Ooh. You can bring in Charlie Weiss and Romeo Cornell to take over. Yeah, yeah. I don't know I what like they're going to do there. That's interesting. Well, I feel like there's been a name floated around as the, the Patriots' next offensive coordinator who we're just missing. I don't know, man. I, I, I mean, feel like it has been. I know uh, that Brian Dable okay. went to Buffalo. Oh, never mind. This is this is uh, Patricia. Yeah, I don't know. This is a, a weird a weird situation for New England. But, you know, they're going to figure it out, and that guy's going to get a head coaching job in a year from now. Right, exactly. They generally shift their guys around. Like, Dabble went from Abel, whatever, went from tight ends coach to quarterbacks coach, and then he went to Alabama to run Saban's offense, and now he's in Buffalo running his offense. So my guess is they'll just do something like that. They'll pick some guy who's already on their staff and keep it in-house and not lose any of their state secrets. Makes sense. And this, we don't. This one not head coaching job, but still very interesting. What do you think of the? Well, s- screw you, Pittsburgh. I'm going to go be the offensive coordinator at Cleveland, position for Todd Haley. 
Oh man, that was that is a bizarre one. I'm interested to hear what you have to say and your the lady that you previously mentioned because yes, you know Haley famously is is a psychopath, like yep. not a super likable guy. Has nope. you know, but it heads with Ben Roethlisberger and he he did it in in uh, in Arizona with was it McCoy mm-hmm. who's the head coach then? No, it was uh, sounds right. Shoot, I can't. And then he was obviously the head coach and had problems there in Kansas City, so. I'm 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 fascinated to hear what you have to say about this. I love it because of the guys. Mm. Uh, see, I like for this organization. I think the first step you have to take is bringing in quality football people. And you're right. Mm-hmm. Now, Todd Haley is not an easy person to get along with. In fact, he is quite the opposite. A very very difficult person to get along with. But nobody doubts his ability as a football coach. And it, you know. It, when you add a Todd Haley and basically just raid the the Packers front office to bring in John Dorsey and a High Smith and Elliot Wolf, uh, this is a team that all of a sudden has one of the you know ignoring Hugh Jackson, which is you know I imagine something Todd Haley will do quite quite a bit this year. Uh, ignoring Hugh Jackson, this is one of the suddenly one of the more interesting coaching staff slash front offices in the NFL. Oh, yeah. what, what they have done over the course of a year, going from Sashi Brown and nobody to John Dorsey and Todd Haley, is that's pretty remarkable. Yeah, and uh, honestly, with some addition by subtraction, I think taking away the play calling duties from Hugh Jackson and handing them over to Todd Haley. I do think that this, the amount of, when you think of those three guys, Hugh Jackson, Greg Williams, and Todd Haley, all sharing a locker room, and basically all having alpha personalities like that is massively explosive potential, which I think is going to be very interesting for a team. And obviously you still have Joe Thomas there and some, Maybe. some high, high quality veterans that demand the attention of a lot and respect of a locker room. There's going to be a lot going on there in Cleveland. I just, I really want them to get hard knocks. This would be That's the ultimate year say. for them. That's what I was going <laughs> to say. They are, they are now the hard knocks team for sure. I hope so. Um, I, I mean, I'm going to be really interested to see it because especially when they add a quarterback and likely the first round here to couple with this whole thing. And imagine it being Baker Mayfield or Josh Rosen, either of them have huge personalities too. And boy, that <laughs> that's going to be a really, if nothing else, it's, it's not going to lack for excitement. That's for sure. No. And how much of this do you think Todd Haley knows there's no other, t- he's never going to get a head coaching opportunity again on his own merits because of how catastrophic it was when he was a head coach previously. How much of it do you think mm-hmm. he sees this as his best opportunity to become a head coach again? I absolutely think that's a huge factor. I think that's why Elliot Wolf and Alonzo Highsmith went with Dorsey. I think that they all know that they're on the cusp of something here that could be really big. Um, and they all know. And frankly, if you're Todd Haley, like, I don't think it's out of the realm that the Browns turn it around and Hugh Jackson gets fired and Todd Haley moves up. Like, honestly, that's, like, what I'm, I that's know what, that, exactly what I'm saying. Oh, you mean that goes in Cleveland specifically? Yes. Oh, yes. wow. Okay. No, I was, I was thinking like, if you're a part of engineering this turnaround, you know, you could potentially springboard into another job, but that actually makes even more sense if he somehow dirt cutters his way into stealing the job from the incumbents. I mean, it's, it's definitely not out of the realm. Um, I, I think everyone's kind of jumping on board because they're, they're seeing what Sashi Brown, the foundation that he's built, yeah. and they know that they, they smell blood in the water. This is a team that's going to be on the rise very quickly because they have built, like you said, that group that they have is, is an all-star cast, really. 
I've never understood the hatred for Sashi Brown. I will always be a supporter of him now. Maybe there's Me things too. going on behind the scenes that we don't know about, but I will always be a supporter of Sashi Brown, just like I am uh, in terms of Sam Hankey and what he did in Philadelphia. Both of those guys should have gotten the opportunities to to see things through a little bit more, but you know, certainly happy to have... You know, when I, when I have to watch this team play, I'm certainly happy to have John Dorsey, Elliott Wolf, Alonzo Highsmith, and Todd Haley involved. Yeah, agreed. I mean, uh, we'll see about Todd Haley. I think the jury's still out, but he is a good offensive game player. When you look at what the yeah. Steelers have done and how creative they got, as Ben Roethlisberger sort of sunset in his career, it's been it's been really impressive to see the way that they've used the different tools, and especially you know Le'Veon Bell, obviously, and. Let's not forget, Antonio Brown wasn't exactly a first-round pick. I mean, you got to give Todd Haley some of that credit, too. And so, yeah, I, I think that the pieces are very much in place in Cleveland, especially after they add the, what, nine picks in the first two days or whatever insane amount it is. So, I, you know, there there will be very limited excuses. And, you know, I just to piggyback off that point, the fact that Sam Hinkie hasn't been hired somewhere is just absurd to me. And yeah. I think that the same thing will apply to Sashi Brown. I think a lot of that is just some institutional bias against these analytical-minded people because, you know, teams are afraid of what they've seen and learned from these guys and how good they've done, how well they've done. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think both deserve jobs in the near future. Yeah, Hanky's uh, doing some teaching at Stanford, and I keep thinking that there's going to be a day I'm going to drive down and sit in. Oh, that would be awesome. You absolutely should. Yeah. Um, so let's move away from football and let's talk about some basketball. A real One real interesting college thing to hit on real quick is Zion Williamson committing to Duke, giving oh them my the top, God. top three recruits in the country this year with R.J. Barrett being number one, Cam Reddish being number three. Also, um, also Trey Jones. I wrote down Tyus Jones, but that is incorrect. Trey <laughs> Jones, number 12. So this is interesting to me for, for a lot of reasons. Williamson has always said he's a small forward. But right. now he's very clearly a power forward at Duke. Do you think that's going to work at the college level? Uh, you know what? Like it's going to work because <laughs> because so much and yeah. it's just so insane what they've done. Um, you know, I agree. I, I don't. I don't know that. I, I think Zion Williamson would have been well served to go somewhere else and build his. Own. I mean, he could have even done a Kentucky or Kansas and been fine. But and really played the way he wanted to play at Duke, he'll be the third fiddle, I think. I know he's number two, but, you know, I, I like those other two more. I know you do. And, uh, yeah, like, it's it's just going to work because it has to, because they because they have all that talent. They're going to play a ton. And I just got to ask, is this the best class, even if nothing yes. else happens, that you've ever seen? Uh, yeah, probably. Kentucky had a crazy class that didn't end up working out when yep. that the year of the Harrison Twins. Oh, no, the Harrison Twins. Yep, that's right. The town I think here they was had, actually weird. Uh, I think they had something like uh, four top seven, top eight recruits or something like that in that year. Um, I can't remember who the other players on that team were offhand, but that that I don't. We've never seen one, two, three. We've never no. seen one, two, three go to the school, and uh, especially when these guys are as talented as R.J. Barrett and Camrach. It's interesting. You're gonna have you know, you have to think all four of these guys are starters. So. You have Trey Jones at four? point. Oh, Trey Jones. Trey Jones at point. R.J. Barrett. Although, oh, yeah, let's say he is for the argument's sake. Trey Jones at point. R.J. Barrett at the two. Uh, Cam Reddish at the three. Zion at the four. And then, you know, take your pick with big guy at the five. Uh, and and anyone Al- they bring back. Well, Alex O'Connell, who I like quite a bit, is a, is a shooting guard who I think is going to be that next super annoying white shooter from Duke. 
for, for other teams. But what's interesting is that the, their two and three in RJ Barrett and Cam Reddish are going to both be taller than their four in Zion. Yeah, but Zion is much more of a four than those two guys. Oh, for, yeah, Zion's – I mean, I think he's a four legitimately. He thinks he's a three, maybe even a two. I think he's certainly a, a, an undersized four in a, in a smaller Larry Johnson kind of way. Ooh. Yeah, man, this is gonna be this is gonna be so interesting though. I I mean I can't wait to see it, and you know it just goes. Remember that the Wisconsin kid that decided not to declare or Tyler decided Arrow. to Tyler Arrow, yeah, because right now he's he's looking at a couple of years before he ever sniffs the court. I think the way this is looking, so yeah. Was Harrow at Duke? Was it Kentucky or Duke? I thought it was I thought it was Duke. Maybe it's not. Um, but yeah, I mean, whatever, anybody that had declared for Duke, they're all both this year and next year, they're all looking very unlikely to be playing in the, uh, 2018, 19 game. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Harrow is uh Harrow is Kentucky. Kentucky. Okay. Go, never mind. Going back a little bit. I really want to see this Harrison, this Harrison twins here. It's not 15. So it's man. We're how long have the Harrison's been a thing? 14. <laughs> they were oh here. my God. Goodness. They were there four oh. years, weren't they? Okay, so we're in, all right, here's thirteen we're back in thirteen. Um that was the year that Kentucky got number three Julius Randall, number five Andrew Harrison, number seven Dakari Johnson, number eight James Young, and number nine Aaron Harrison, and boy did that not work out. I remember when the Harrisons declared because they were the last ones and they're from Maryland and everyone thought Maryland was gonna get them. Um and, uh, yeah, at the last second, they, they turned to Kentucky. with, And, it, you know, that's a big deal because it's not one kid but two six six point guards, essentially, which is just crazy. So, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, yeah, this class is better than that, though, I think, just in terms of the sheer talent and the drop-off, what oh, yeah. seems to be the drop-off after Williamson to whoever's next. So, boy, that, those three names together are going to be something to see. And talk about a, a group that did not work out professionally. I mean, who's the? <laughs> yeah. I mean, Jul- Julius Randle is obviously the best player of this group professionally. James Young is on a two-way deal with the Sixers. Um, Dakari Johnson yeah. is in Oklahoma City's D League team, maybe. Oh my God! Uh, one one of the Harrisons is in the NBA. The other one's on a two-way. But regardless, none none of these guys worked out. Julius Randle is you know he is what he is. Um, Dunk contest fields announced. Dennis Smith Jr., Aaron Gordon, Victor Oladipo, Larry Nance Jr. How do you feel about it? I'm interested in seeing Dennis Smith, your boy, and hopefully mm-hmm. he won't tear his ACL or something on his way down. But uh, no, that's, so much so that's, much hatred for Dennis Smith from you. <laughs> no, he's there's a, it's a little bit of bitterness, but with how good marketing's been, I'm, I'm slowly ebbing. Yeah. But yeah, no, he's he's awesome, obviously, and uh, you know I would have liked to see Donovan Mitchell be like too. That would have been fun. Terrence Ferguson. Terrence Ferguson is he is he's not in it though, right? It's no, those four that was, just said. I, I thought Ferguson was a lock to get in it after some of these in-game dunks that he's had for the Thunder. Yeah, seriously, that would have been Don- that would have been fun too. And you're right about Donovan Mitchell because that's a great way to showcase one of the rising stars in the NBA. Right. Instead, he'll be showcased at the Rising Stars game, I believe. But... Oh! <laughs> nice. uh, is this still called the Rising Stars game? Is the rookie cellphone game like a Rising Stars? I don't know. There was that Shooting Stars thing that I actually liked that they got rid of. I like the... that. I like the games. I did, too. But do you... I don't know if you remember this. I remember being very young before 
before they came out with the the Rising Stars game, they had the old two timers ball. game. Oh, two ball is oh. great too. But they had the old timers game, and it was just kind of depressing. Oh man, I don't. I think I remember that. Like all the guys have obviously put on like a hundred pounds. Yes. Yes. No. Yeah. Nobody can dunk anymore. Nobody can jump anymore. No, they can all shoot it, though. They're all like money from AT&T. It's just that, absolute That doesn't bang. go away. Yeah, that doesn't <laughs> go away. But it was it was always kind of sad to watch that. I'm, I don't know. Smith is great. Gordon's great. It, you know, I guess Oladipo is that showcase guy instead of Donovan Mitchell. And and Larry mm-hmm. Nance Jr. has got a good story, and I like Larry Nance Jr. But yeah, you're right. I would have liked to see Donovan Mitchell and or Terrence Ferguson in this group. I think it would have been a little bit more exciting. And, you know, we obviously we weren't going to get Glenn Robinson the third because he's been hurt. Obviously, uh, Zach Levine's been hurt, and you know I don't think he bailed on it last year. Uh, I don't know. Could have been better, but you know those those years when you say it could have been better end up being the years where you're like, oh wow, that was actually pretty good. Yeah, I'm expecting big things out of uh, definitely out of Smith. I'm not sure Oladipo is kind of an odd one to me because he's just sort of like. And I think this sort of applies to Ferguson as well. How tall is Ferguson? Six seven, or is he six, seven. short in this? Yeah, yeah six, and like Oladipo's got that length, so I think I personally think that takes away from the dunks, and you like the like shorter, springier guys generally. But Aaron Gordon's been so awesome, and he's obviously enormous. So you know, I, I guess it just depends on the creativity of the participants, but. It's going to be, you know, I'm sure it'll be fine. I, I always love watching the three-point contest just because I'm oh, like yeah. a shooting purist. So I, I would oh, be, yeah. I'm excited to see who goes into that. And uh, the, um, you know, the skills contest has actually been fun the last couple of years, especially since yeah. they moved to the, the big guys versus small guys thing. Yeah, I like that. That's, yeah, that that's a fun little piece. And, and usually it's got some features, some nice, fun young players that maybe a lot of the league I haven't seen. Um, and so, you know, I yeah. expect Donovan Mitchell to be in that. Yeah, and I think, and for the big guys, I think you can certainly, you know, what's it, four on each side? I I think, yeah. oh God, it's it's tough to keep Boogie out. I would have guessed oh, that the, yeah. four, the four would have been Cat, Joel, Jokic, and Anthony Davis, but it's going to be real hard to keep Boogie out of that. Yeah, unless I, I think guess what he did to the Bulls the other Yeah, well, that's a, the best. Nobody in 50 years has had that stat line. Um, no. Pretty good. Is it he? Is he your first team All NBA center? It's got to be Boogie, right? Ooh, wow. How is how is it not? Those. Look at those numbers. I mean, you're. I think this is one of those like positional norms. I would just generally put five. You know, you don't have to put a center onto that team, right? You could just do. I think they. I think it is a center though. I, I think all NBA. I think all NBA is broken up: two guards, two forwards, and a center. If it was two guards and three forwards, like it probably should be, or two backcourt and three frontcourt, then I think I don't think Cousins makes that. But as a center, is he is he having a better year than AD? Uh, I believe so. I'm gonna look at both of their stats. Um, well, DeAndre Jordan won two was on it two years ago, so I think we can comfortably say they have a center. Mm-hmm. Um, and last year, Anthony Davis was the first team center. Uh, so Boogie, Boogie. First of all. <laughs> How how about that game he had last night or two nights ago? He was incredible. My, my goodness. But so I got to tell you, so I watched a lot of that. I I, I yeah. really feel like even with the numbers that Cousins put up, I still felt like Davis had a better game. He fouls out with like three minutes left in – or I think one minute left in regulation. Or, uh, sorry, it was a double overtime game. He fouls out in the middle of the first overtime. And I think had he not, his numbers wouldn't have been, and obviously they wouldn't have been at Cousins' level, as no one has, like you said, in the last 50 years. But he was he was having a 
such a bigger impact on the game, and he was setting up Boogie over and over again. I'm just so enamored with Anthony Davis's game. It's so pretty to watch for a big guy. Yeah. All right, so Anthony Davis, uh, 26.7 points, 10.5 rebounds, two blocks, uh, one – was that two blocks a game? Oh, yeah, it's in the last 10, sorry. Um, what do we have for steals and assists? Uh, 10 point, right, 10.5 rebounds, 2.4 assists, 2.1 blocks, 1.1 steals. And he is shooting 34% from the outside on two attempts a game. Uh, <clears throat> Boogie, these numbers, man. And nothing, I'm so happy that these guys work out together. Because yeah. this is what I want to see. Uh, mm-hmm. Boogie, 25.6 points a game, 12.9 rebounds, 1.5 blocks, 1.6 steals, 5.2 assists. And he's shooting wow. 35% on six threes a game. Whoa, whoa. Six threes a game for Cousins? Yeah, I'm a little bit surprised. Wow. Oh, 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 I guess he took 5.63s a game with them last year, 4.9 with the Kings. Yeah, I, I mean, Davis might get it just because it's Anthony wow. Davis, but I think Cousins having the better season. And these guys are just yeah. a problem. Oh, yeah, they are. Well, the problem is that they surrounded him with Drew Holiday and a bunch of nothing. Yeah. Really a shame because, man, that, that is a fun duo, um, superstar power. Do you think that they keep cousins because he's a free agent after this year isn't he i think you have to how how do you i mean i just said this guy's the first team all nba center how do you not hold on to that and just figure out how to get the other pieces as you go well i mean isn't it possible that they then lose davis down the line because of what they and you know especially if it doesn't work in a year i i mean i just don't know how they put the pieces around them that's that's going to be really tricky to, to add the kind of perimeter shooting they need to add around them and really the ball handling so Davis has, uh, oh, this doesn't seem right. Signed a contract extension with the Pelicans. Is Davis up this year? Two? Oh, no. Davis has got player, two player three, options, th- right? He's got three more years left, and yeah, oh, and there's a player option for 2021. So he's mm. got 18, 19, 19, 20, and then a player option, which he'll, you know, unless there's a catastrophic injury, he'll opt out of. Right. So you got him for at least two more years after this. Yep, and, you know, I, I mean, yeah, I think if you're the Pelicans, you have to do it with Cousins. But if you're Cousins, you have to do it with the Pelicans, right? Like, I, they yeah. can't, they don't hold his, like, super inherent team rights, I don't think. Right. So, because it's only been a year and a half, or it'll only have been a year and a half. So, um, but I know that they can offer him a little bit more, right? Isn't that how that works compared to yeah, the rest of the league? The one thing about Cousins that people, I think people think, oh, this guy's a hothead, this guy's a jerk. He's an incredibly loyal person. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, so no. I would I would be surprised if he left, especially considering how well this team is doing. You know, the one thing is maybe if L.A. can get two max and yeah. you know, Paul, Paul George and DeMarcus Cousins um, would go to L.A., that could be an option. But other than that, I don't see... I don't see him leaving the Pelicans. I don't want to dwell too much on this because I do. There's this one last thing I want to talk about, and we're already running late. Um, but we have to talk about this, and this has been an incredible week for superstars potentially becoming available via trade in the NBA. There is an an All Star team of of potentially available players, uh, you know, in the NBA right now. Damian Lillard had a meeting with ownership the other night to talk about the direction of the team. Apparently, he's dissatisfied with what they're doing right now. Kemba Walker's available in Charlotte. Jalen Rose said today, and this is, I can't believe this isn't a bigger deal. 
Jalen Rose came out today and said Kawhi wants out of San Antonio. Uh, oh, Kevin Love is obviously uh, his, on the outs in Cleveland, to put it nicely, and DeAndre Jordan's been perpetually available with the Clippers. Mm-hmm. You know, of, of these guys, first of all, is there is there any, like, are there any two of these guys that you can swap that makes sense? Can we solve uh, you know, two birds with one stone kind of thing? We, you know, I've heard a lot of DeAndre Jordan to Portland, but you'd have to get a hell of a lot more than, uh, you know, DeAndre Jordan for Damian Lillard. I wonder if a love to LA for Jordan and something works. Um, I, I don't. I really don't think Kevin Love is going anywhere. I mean, it seems like they the Woj story stated that they basically resolved that. Um, yeah, but you know, but once those questions are there, yeah. they're always there. Oh yeah. I mean, Cleveland's a team to watch, obviously they need to add something and that what they have right now is kind of a disaster. They could really use defensive presence. Um, I, I mean, that's certainly one to watch. I, I think that the biggest lock is like you said, the perpetually available DeAndre Jordan. Mm-hmm. He seems to be the most likely of all these guys to get dealt. And so, you know, what are you going to get for DeAndre Jordan for a team in the Clippers that's not, like, rebuilding by any means? I think that you've got to be looking at, you know, I mean, you've got to be looking at a piece that you can use right away. And so, that what does that mean? Does that Is it Milwaukee with Jabari? Is it, or, you know, is it a Thon or younger pieces type of deal? Or do you look at a guy like Kemba, or do you look at a guy like Love and see what you can do with with a Love for Jordan type of swap? I think that that is the most likely scenario for two of these guys getting dealt for each other. Um, but otherwise, is there, yeah. Is there any chance that because you know Cleveland is in complete disarray right now? They had a players only meeting. You know, like we like we've heard things were quote unquote worked out, but. Everyone seems like everything. Everyone seems frustrated in Cleveland right now. There was a players-only meeting a couple of weeks ago, where they basically called out LeBron James for assist hunting and only passing when he thought he can get an assist. There was this thing yesterday with Kevin Love, where people questioned whether or not he was actually hurt enough to come out of the game and/or sit out the game afterwards. This team's a mess. Uh, Isaiah Thomas has solved mm-hmm. nothing. If only thing, if anything, he's made the problems worse in Cleveland. <laughs> Is there any way? that they do a Kevin Love plus that Brooklyn pick and maybe something else and try and get Kawhi Leonard. Wow. That is very interesting. I don't know how deep these issues are with Kawhi, but they've been smoldering over the last few years, their days, I mean, for sure. And if it, if that is a thing, oh my God, that would be, I think just loving the pick is probably enough, right? If you're, if you're San Antonio, is that not enough to get, to get him probably i was trying to think about what what we could put together in philly um you know obviously being selfish here and it's got i can't i don't think i can do that well like all i'm coming up with you know i will give them i'll give them covington i'll give them sarich i'll give them rashawn holmes they can have the lakers slash kings pick they can have our first round pick any you know the next first round pick available but i don't see how the sixers could do better than that uh i don't think that's a lot but and that's I don't not think... what the Spurs are looking for. Oh, I agree completely. You know, although I do think that, that Popovich would love Saric, um, and probably Covington as well, but there's no there's no huge piece. You're gambling on where that first-round pick is going to be from L.A. this year or Sacramento next year, where mm-hmm. you know where that Brooklyn pick is going to be, even if it's potentially lower than the upside of the of the Lakers or Lakers pick this year. You at least know you're going to get it, and uh, – you can start planning around that, but yeah, yeah, man. I mean, Jalen Rose came out 
just flat out and said Kawhi wants out of San Antonio. What about a Kawhi for Dame trade? That's interesting. Um, that's in- that's interesting. And if, so Isaiah Thomas would have to be traded in that scenario, unless I mean Isaiah's not coming off the bench and he's not. Wait, wait, wait. I said Kawhi um, for for Damian Lillard. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry. I don't know how that. Can, yeah. Um, okay, so is McCollum moving to point in that scenario? Yep. McCollum, probably McCollum is the point. Kawhi's the. But two. their backup point guard, their backup guards in Portland Napier. have actually been really good. So yeah, yeah Napier's been solid. Been and great. So you uh, get those. I don't know who says no to that. I mean, straight up. Straight up. Oh well, I mean, Kawhi's better, but he's hurt. Right. Exactly. Um, His, Lillard is, Lillard's a god in Portland. That's that's one right. thing that that organization loves Damian Lillard, and for good reason. He is. Uh, you know, he he convinced all the players to donate their their playoff checks last year to the, like the back staff to the all of those people. They gave away something like seven hundred thousand dollars to, right. uh, to to the people working the menial jobs with the the Trailblazers. He's a god there, man. Kawhi, like that. This becomes the most interesting player who's been available. Well, I mean, I guess since Kyrie, but I, he's better yeah. than Kyrie. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely better. He, that's but a yeah, game changer. I, I that's a complete game changer. He's the guy who pushes the team over. Right. I I just if I'm if I'm Portland, I think you're never going to get a better deal than that for Lillard. If Lillard is indeed, you know, discontented with what's going on there, and then if you're the Spurs, you're you're probably like I I don't think that I want the volume of players or whatever, and even even love in that Brooklyn pick. I mean, that potentially are two stars, obviously, but. Yeah. I don't think that gets you where you want to go in the Popovich era, probably. Like, you know, that's you're talking about two years from now, hopefully. Yeah. And, like, again, you would basically have to be at the point where you have to deal Kawhi to even think about this kind of deal. But, well, you know. Can I tell you why the Spurs are the one team I don't know if that's the case? Is because they don't like even the notion of discontent. Yeah, that's true. But although they still have a Marcus Aldridge, and you know, well, that's that's true. As that's well. been a problem. So I don't know. I that's a super fascinating one. I kind of think that they'll just. Well, uh, all right, here let's let's spin this conversation real quick. Yeah. What? How? Which of those guys will get traded and which won't? Do you think? If you had to guess, if you had to put money on it, what? Who, if any of those, the guys you mentioned, actually do get dealt? Kemba and DeAndre more likely than not. Love, call it 50-50. Jordan came uh, out today and said he's not dealing Kemba, from what I saw. No, he didn't. He came, out to, he came out today and said he's not actively trying to trade Kemba, but he'll listen to offers, oh, which, is what okay. an, which, is, which is what an owner has to say. Yeah. Um, <laughs> those, guys, those guys get traded. Uh, love 50-50. Kawhi and Lillard, I don't know, one in wow. five, maybe one in yeah. Willard's less likely than Leonard to me. Yeah, that's fair. That's even fair. though he's not Although, as good. I could see Portland trying. You know, they've. I think maybe they think that they've gone as far as they can with this backcourt duo, like it is. Maybe, mm-hmm. uh, maybe move in a little bit now. <clears throat> Lillard's actually the only. He's the guy that's signed for the longest in all of this. He's got three years left on his deal. Uh, Kemba's going to be. A, uh, he's Kemba's got one year left. Kawhi's got two years left, but the last year's a player option, so basically one. Love's got two after this, and DeAndre's going to be a free agent. That's really – so DeAndre's got two things that are working against him. One, he's got a 15% trade kicker. So does Kawhi. And Ooh. two, he's going to be he's going to be a free agent. 
So yeah, like what kind of value can you really get for Jordan at this point? Like you know, I hear these these trades where Cleveland wants to trade Tristan Thompson and another somebody else, yeah. and you know, and their own pick. I don't know if that's crazy. I, they don't is, have their own pick. I thought. Do they not have their own pick? I thought they don't have their. We've talked about deals with Cleveland forever, and I feel like they just they don't have any picks for the next like three years somehow or something. Um, or they can't deal it for whatever reason. Cleveland's got or their maybe, own pick this year. They do have their Cleveland, own pick. Oh, okay. All right. Tankathon says they pick nine and twenty-four in the first round right now. So you deal your own pick and Tristan Thompson. Yeah, and some you know probably probably other pieces. Um, now you know obviously. Shady I love Shady Osman. Um, we we talk about um, Cleveland sports a lot because of my ties to it. Now, my my Alexa's father sent me a text the other day saying that Cleveland has gone back to the, the Cavs of November, and that he's ready to break it all up. Um, I, I, I would. I a massive it, it, reaction. Oh, I agree, and I think they probably still are the favorites to play the the Warriors in the finals. But I'll tell you what: the one player who I'm interested in is Kyle Korver. Oh yeah. I, will, I would take Corver in a heartbeat. I'll give them whatever. You know, they can have their pick of Rashawn Holmes, Furkan Korkmaz, and uh, and uh, Justin Anderson, or and a, and a and fill-in draft picks. And I I happily welcome Kyle Corver back to this team. Yeah, I don't uh, I don't see the I don't see the Cavs selling off assets like that unless they the, need to for financial reasons. I think the only way that happens is if. Well, one, I think they – you and I disagree on this. I think they know LeBron's gone. You think there's a chance he remains. But if they know mm-hmm. LeBron's gone and there is discontent even deeper than, than we know and this, and this locker room is just so fractured and broken, I think that's the only way that it happens. Yeah, I can see. Right. But then in that scenario, we talked about this before the season too. Like, why not just have an auction for LeBron? Like just say screw it. Let's just let's just get what we can get and get a set ourselves up for the next decade, and and hold a fire sale for LeBron. Or maybe you get a guy like Kawhi. You know, maybe you get a guy like a, a, a super superstar that can still bridge the gap and cut you know cut the potential rebuild in quarters instead of elongating it. I mean, no one knows better than them how long this thing can get. Um, you know, when you lose LeBron, and so. To be, I, that would be what I would do. If you're gonna, if you're gonna go that way, and you're gonna ruin your, you know, basically end your chances of winning a title this year, just go all the way with it. Don't like, you know, halfway it. I agree. Um, the the downfall there is LeBron has a no trade. Ah, well, you know, you got to think LeBron waves it. You like to, if they to the right team. Saying, he he's not right. going to Utah. It would have to no. be the right team to take a trade to, and so that's going to cut the good, cut yeah. the pull significantly. I mean, look, San Antonio says here's Kawhi Leonard, and you know Kawhi is going to be reagent in a year anyway. But he's got he's got an extra year of control, so you basically do that straight up. Why San Antonio? Why? Yeah, why? Because you know he's what's in his, a better what's his chance benefit? to win. He's a, he's got a better he's, chance. He still to has, win so he has to go up against the Warriors with Lamarcus, Lamarcus Aldridge and the Rockets. But I'm saying, like in that scenario, yeah, exactly. And the already, I'm saying in that scenario, you've already decided that you're trading Corver and you know potentially Love anyway. So if you're LeBron, it's like, all right, I get it. You guys are you guys are going full on, like not going to put anything around me. I'm out of here, basically. I mean, this is like way a ton of dominoes after the ball for this to ever okay. sink to this level. 
I mean, this is still a Cavs team, like you said, that I and I agree with you, that is the favorite to win this conference still. But, you know, I... Let me tell you the one team. The one team I think maybe he's interested in. It has to be the East. Has to be the East, because that's the best... Milwaukee's interesting, and that's not what I was going to say. I'm not sure how they would make that work financially. I was going to say Toronto, and Mm. so you you put him with Lowry and DeRozan... And you allow him to play in Canada, and LeBron's very conscious of his brand. Ooh, and, you know, yeah. playing in playing in Canada and expanding his brand a little bit more outside the United States might he might see some benefit in that, even if it's only for you know six weeks. Yeah, I, I mean, I think if you're LeBron, you force your way into Milwaukee, play with Giannis, give yourself a chance at flying around and stopping that Warriors thing. I mean, that's the only. If you had to, this is such a ridiculous hypo, but like, yes. if you, if you, or even your boys, I mean, I don't know what you would have to give up. I think the Bucks potentially could do it without losing Giannis, and you guys could do it without losing Embiid. But you know, it's basically everybody else. So, you know, or I mean, in Simmons, obviously, I, I mean, it would have to take a lot, and you'd have to be going to a team. LeBron would have to be going to a team that you know is ready to go this year. I think, or I mean, that would be his idea. You know yeah. that with the Spurs you could get there with you know a team like I don't know even Toronto obviously wins the East with them but I I don't think that they're a real threat to the Warriors if that even with LeBron. So you would have to gut this Raptors team uh, this um, Bucks right. team I think. So LeBron oh, makes really? thirty LeBron makes thirty three. You would have yeah. to start with Eric Bledsoe and Chris Middleton. That's fine. I mean LeBron is worth way more than so, those two. Right, but at that point I mean actually I think. Okay, so I would think that that I don't think they would can't do that for the record. I, I would think they would want Jabari. Jabari, so, the two guys, the two pecs. I mean, the next uh, I, don't, I don't see a way to. So what? So this team is what? It's Giannis and LeBron, Giannis, LeBron, John Henson, Brogdon. Tony Snell, and and Delavid and Brogdon against the Warriors. And Thon Maker. I don't know. Like Thon right, Maker so, stinks. Look, I know you like Thon Maker. He stinks. No, he stinks. <sighs> No, he's going to be fine. Just, you he, know. He really, he yeah, not this hard. year, which is a point he because I'm leaving after this year anyway. Yeah, he stinks hard. I just watched him play. He's uh, he's shooting less than 40% from the field this year. He's yeah. uh, I, I, I get why you like him. Uh, He stinks. <laughs> Fair enough. He, he's going to be okay. But <laughs> anyway, right. it, that would be fun. That would be the most fun scenario as a Neutral observer, slightly not neutral because I like the Bucks, but I think that would be a lot of fun to see those two combine and try to fly. Just think of that perimeter defense against the against the Warriors. It would be, it'd well, be something. They would need to keep Middleton if they want to match up against the Warriors. I, they need can't a, they do they need that? That doesn't work out salary wise. You have to trade Middleton and Bledsoe. Uh, Bledsoe makes the most money. So Bled, LeBron's thirty three. So fifteen percent. We need to get to at least twenty eight ish. Uh, Bledsoe makes 14, Jabari makes six and change. So we're, we're at like, we're at like 21 there. We need to add another seven. Uh, I guess you could do Jabari Parker, Bledsoe and Tony Snell. There you go. But but why would Cleveland do that? And a pick and two picks. I mean, I think Jabari, again, you're losing LeBron for nothing at the end of this year. And in this scenario, you have given up on this season. Like, you're, you're trading lost assets anyway. So you're trading Love. You're trading Corver. You're trading, you know, 
trend. I mean, I don't know if anyone would want Tristan Thompson, but you're trading him yeah. and you're trading LeBron. So now you've got, again, you're right. You're probably looking at a team if you're the Cavs, but all right. So there's two <laughs> factors. LeBron has to approve it and the team and the return has to be late. So, that that scenario to come together quickly, I don't know that you're going to beat Jabari, Bledsoe, two first-rounders. You hate Dunmaker, but let's say they throw him in there. Sure. I mean, and well, hey, th- there is one player on this Bucks team who we have not discussed, and I think he's a linchpin to get this deal done. Bronson King. <laughs> Golly. <laughs> hey, listen, that guy could bomb trays. Yeah, at Wisconsin, I don't know if he still can. I, he's on a two-way, isn't he? He's is a two. Not a lot of two-way players are traded, but the, no. Obvious, obviously, the Cavs would want him. Of course, he's a must-have. Uh, well, I mean Brogdon probably, right? Brogdon makes one point three, so cheap. Brogdon I think would have it, to be in that deal. Like you said, you're gutting the entire thing now. So say if it's Brogdon, then not. Middleton. I mean, you're you have nothing around LeBron. No, you have to keep Middleton. Point. It's it's got to be all right. Bledsoe, Bledsoe, Parker, Brogdon, and then and filler, plus Pills. So, so yeah, I think the Bucks would try to sell them on Maker over Brogdon, probably. I mean, I don't yeah, know how that works. They try to sell them all they want. That doesn't mean that the Cavs are going to take it. That gives you Giannis, yeah. Chris Middleton, uh, LeBron, John Henson, Del Vadova. That's not bad. You probably need, if you're the Bucks, you probably need to find a way to get some more free agent backcourt help with that, but... That that team right there has the length and athleticism to give the Warriors fits, at least right. when they're all shooters. I agree. I agree. All yeah. right, wrap this wrap this up. We talked about the five guys. Who are the who do you think are the most likely to get traded? Because you asked me, I want to hear your thoughts. I think the only one that gets dealt is Jordan, and I think that the Bucks are the team to watch there, um, because I really don't see a fit for Jabari. Um, the Bucks kind of constructed, but. I also could see the Bucs after they fired Jason Kidd just saying, you know what, let's just keep what we've got, add, you know, a really good coach next year, whether it's Fizdale or, you know, or, or Monty Williams or whoever, and just go from there and see if we can't build something out from this team. But, you know, because Jordan hamstrings them. If they have Jordan at Bledsoe, basically yeah. on, you know, on two-year deals around the honest, you're done. You can't do anything else, really. So that would be right. – but I do think that Jordan is the only one that gets dealt with that group, unless unless Jordan trades Kemba. Cavs really close to trading for George Hill. Does he help that team? Yeah. I mean, how? How many? You have one ball and like twelve guys that are all need to deserve to play. I mean, what what role does George Hill play on this team? I would think sixth man. Sixth man over what over Wade basically. Yeah, him and Wade are those sixth, seventh guys. Both of them get decent minutes off the bench. It's gonna, you know, it's only beneficial if they can give Wade less minutes right now, anyway. So that that move then takes away one more thing that you can do if you're the Cavs, right? Like, I mean, it's one less asset that you can trade for a real guy, like a guy that can actually help like Jordan. Right, but I mean, if you know, I think George Hill's a decent basketball player, and he's he's a professional too, which I like. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's a decent sure. decent trade for them, and I think they're going to figure it out. This is They're too good not to. They're fine. They're fine. They're, they're going to be fine. fine. This is absurd. They're, it's always like the overreaction about LeBron every year and anything that touches LeBron is just crazy. He does assist hunt. I'm going to go ahead and agree with the Cavs on that. He absolutely assists hunts. Oh, yeah. 
Absolutely. I completely agree with that. All right. Well, that is the underdog episode number 56. A big welcome back to Anshu Kana, and uh, thanks for listening. We will be right back here next week.